Hey, old point, good morning. You happy to be in God's house today, yeah? Come on. I just uh, want to highlight what Pastor Stephen said. What an incredible camp we had. It was amazing. God showed up in amazing ways, and uh, a lot of lives were changed. And so can we just give it up for Jesus in our church? The next generation of the church is in good hands. And um, today is a little bit different. I'm going to start off the first part of our service with an interview. Um, I felt like uh, connecting the prophetic to a practical, um, a practical application in our lives is important. And um, I want to do that with healing today. And uh, just really felt compelled to uh, have this person come and share a little bit of a testimony about what God did in their life. Now, you can have a testimony or a trialimony. Remember, they're different. You can make it through a trial and not learn the lesson. A testimony is when you've learned the lesson that God wants you to learn and not just survived, but thrived. And so, um, you know, if, if you just have a trialimony, God will let you go around the mountain again. But a testimony is all about, the Bible says we overcome by the what? The blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ and the word of our testimony. And so today, um, I just want to invite somebody very special up. And um, if you would, let's just invite God into this place and pray. Father God, um, I just am so thankful for this amazing, beautiful church. They're in your house, and Father, nothing can stop your church. Jesus, you said, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Father, no matter what, your church is going to advance, is going to extend your kingdom. And today I thank you that you're going to do that. Jesus, I thank you that you see us all right where we're at. And all you're asking for is the next step, the next step closer to you. Father, for those who are far off, who have never surrendered their life to you, God, I know that in you is abundant and eternal life. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal Jesus right now. Reveal Jesus right now. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're going to do in it. And we just bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, look at your neighbor. Say you look good. Look at your other neighbor. Say you look better. No, don't say that. Just say you look good too. If you're online, welcome to church. Uh, you all look beautiful. And I just want to thank you for being in God's house today. Um, I want to invite uh, Charlie Bird up. Charlie, where are you at? I don't know if anybody knows Charlie, but if they come on up, brother. Give him a hand. Uh, Charlie um, and Elaine uh, have raised six children in our church. They are, I, gosh, I think Charles has got to be 37 at this point or something close to it. And uh, they got grandkids. I have the privilege of hugging his grandkids every now and again. There might be a mic there, Charlie. Don't sit on it, brother. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, but, but they've been in our church 32 years. And... Um, done uh charlie yeah that's something to celebrate charlie i think has taught your kids he's probably taught generations of kids at this point he's taught for about 25 years in kids ministry and still actively does he retired from dominion for a few uh, a couple a year or two ago and um just threw himself into ministry and so um they have always supported the vision and the leadership here at hope point and seen literally tens of thousands of people touched for Jesus. And as I was thinking about this topic today, the prophetic, about God speaking to you about your life before it happens and him doing that in his word, 
I thought about this from the context of healing because Charlie actually has um, kind of a remarkable God story, if I could just say that. I, I think it's profound. And um, I just asked him to share a little bit about that. Charlie, about, I guess it was 12 years ago, um, after coming through an incredible health battle that resulted in a miraculous and divine healing for your wife, Elaine. I mean, Elaine, many of you know, was on death's door, giving up. I remember going to the hospital with my dad. I could not even recognize her. She was so bloated and sick, and the doctors just said, it's over. Call in the priest, the pastor, whoever you got. And uh, she, we, we prayed, and she was miraculously, I mean, miraculously healed and was alive to raise all of her kids and is, and, and is in our church today and an amazing member. But after that, Charlie, in, in, in scope of that, went through his own massive health battle. Um, and uh, uh, Charlie, I just kind of want you to describe what that was um, and maybe the circumstances surrounding that. What, did, um, what happened with you and what did the doctors say specifically? Well, it, um, it right began, up here, brother. Can you hear me? Yeah. Better, yeah. Better. It, it began with a, uh, a well visit with my wife, Elaine. We went to the doctor's office for her just to have a checkup. And as I sat there, I uh, got thinking, well, I haven't had a you know, a checkup from a doctor for over 35 years since I left the military. I said, you know what? The, com <laughs> the company pays for guys, it. Guys, that's guys. <laughs> so I said, well, I better get a checkup. So I, uh, you know, went to the uh, clerk or to the desk there and got an appointment set up, went the following week. And uh, the dear lady, Dr. Atik, uh, shortly after my checkup, she calls me twice at the office, and I'm very, very busy at the office. I said, well, I got to give her a call back. She said, Mr. Bird, I need to speak with you immediately. So after the third call, she actually left a message. I have scheduled an appointment for you with a Dr. Mays. You need to be sure that you make this appointment. So at that point, I'm thinking, well, I better check and find out who this Dr. Mays is. And I went online and found out that he was an oncologist at Virginia Cancer Institute. And uh, at that point, I began to become a little worried. I met with him that following Tuesday, and uh, he said, Mr. Burr, we need to reconfirm, you know, your results from the previous test for Dr. Atik, and I want to take a bone marrow uh, sample. So he did that that day. He urgently called me the following Thursday. He said, I need to see you in my office at, uh, uh, you know, this afternoon, which I went in to visit with him. And uh, as I said in his office, he, come, I'll never forget, it was a Thursday afternoon, he come busting through the door, he said, Mr. Bird, I've been able to determine what type of leukemia you have. It's very rare. He said, um, and he said, there's no known cure for it, and you'll be my patient until you die. Well, <laughs> needless to say, it shell-shocked me. I, I literally went numb when he said those words, and I uh, just remained silent. And, um, and that's how it all, all began. And, and you had obviously six young kids at the time. Your wife had just come through a major battle. When you heard that, I know you went home. What did, what did, that, that's life-altering news, but you're a person of faith. So God spoke something to you about your diagnosis. What, what were the words that he gave you specifically? The specific word, you know, as I was praying and seeking, you know, God and, and what I should do or, you know, uh, how to even deal with this uh, this sudden news was, do not broadcast it. And uh, that word at first, I, I was trying to, of course, understand well, exactly what does that mean. I kind of felt like the good Lord was telling me, well, don't go out and start telling everyone that you're ill. Don't, don't 
you know, I didn't want to glorify the sickness. <laughs> and so in that, I, I was very silent, even to the point that I, I did not even contact Pastor Steve and Pastor Sharon at that point. I did contact a in the church, uh, Ken and Carmen Glass. They had fought the good fight of faith with us, with Elaine in the hospital, and I told them that uh, I would ask, uh, you know, to the, for them to join me in prayer and just to stand in faith with me. And uh, but please do not tell anyone. I, I had received a word from the Holy Spirit. Just be quiet about it. Do not broadcast it. And um, we, at the time, we had kind of a known prophet pastor come and do some ministry in our church. His name was Jonathan. Such a great name. I love that name. No. <laughs> Wasn't me. His name was Jonathan Archie. He was from California. And um, he was doing some services here. And I was actually in that service. It was 12 years ago. And I remember while he was ministering, he called for a man by the name of Charlie. He said, there's a man named Charlie here. And um, he needs to there's a healing that, that, that I believe he needs to experience. He's sick and God wants to heal him. And it was one of those things where nobody responded. It was like, you know, lead balloon. Like nobody responded. We're like, well, I guess he missed it, you know, because we, nobody knew that Charlie was sick. And so, you know, it just was real awkward. But then, um, Charlie, what, you had a son, Charles, who's yeah. your oldest, yeah. who, who kind of responded to that, right? And he, yeah. he came up. What, what Charles, was that about? Charles kept hearing the name. I want to pray for someone by the name of Charles. So my son, Charles, was attending, and uh, he went before the prophet. I say pastor prophet. He had a prophetic anointing uh, for certain. And uh, so Charles walks up to him, and uh, Pastor Jonathan Archie says, he says, well, I don't believe you're the Charles I'm to pray for, but I'm going to pray for you anyway. He says, son, when I look at you, he said, I see the word promotion above you, beside you, all around you, promotion, promotion, promotion. And uh, he continued to pray for my son. That following Thursday, my son Charles went into his office. The first sergeant called him in to, to say, Charles, he said, uh, we're promoting you to staff sergeant. And he said, you'll be the youngest staff sergeant in the unit. Shortly thereafter, they sent him to officer's candidate school, and then a year later, they sent him to flight school, and then a year after that, they sent him to instructor pilot school. So that word also came to pass, even though the prophet was looking for another Charles. <laughs> if you're in the neighborhood, you can still get blessed, right? That's the moral of that story. So, so anyway, you weren't at church, right? Because... You were dealing, you had had chemo and had to isolate. Is that right? What was that like? That, that is so. I, I was told to be quarantined, and uh, I was living in a bedroom. Elaine was waiting on me hand and foot, which I might add I enjoyed. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, she was taking very good care of me, but I had to remain isolated because the chemo had destroyed my, my uh, immune system. I was unable to fight off any secondary infections. So at the instructions of the doctor, I'd stayed. So that morning when um, the children, Elaine and the children, and, and a good uh, young friend of the family came back to the house, they kept saying, Mr. Bird, there was a prophet in the house. He had a healing service, and he kept saying, I want to pray for Charlie. I want to pray for Charlie. Each of them told me that. Of course, immediately I realized that I probably should have been at church that morning. And the first thing, as you might guess, I felt guilty. And I was guilty that I wasn't here. So I asked Elaine, I said, Elaine, let's, it's time to let Pastor Steve and Sharon know that, that I'm dealing with this um, disease. And, 
and, uh, you know, notify them. She goes, well, Charlie, she said, they're very busy on Sundays. Let's not bother them right now. <laughs> we'll call them in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And so Monday rolls around, right? And, yeah. and, and Elaine calls. And I think she got a hold of my mom, Pastor Sharon, maybe. I, I think so. I think and um, from that point, she said, hey, you know, I feel like she, she described the diagnosis to my parents. They immediately called the pastor that had spoken that word over your life. And he was staying with a friend of the, uh, a friend who, it was a couple in our church, Jeff and Cheryl Otts, who he was staying with. And um, so, so they, they called Pastor Archie, and um, he was at the house, flying out that day, yes. eating a croissant that morning at the table, telling Cheryl, I still believe before I leave, I'm going to meet the Charles that I had that word about because God laid him on my heart weeks ago and I have been praying for yeah. him. Yeah. And so you go to the house, what happens at that point? Well, I, I later found out from Cheryl that after he made that statement as he was sitting there drinking that cup of coffee and eating that croissant, that the phone rang about five minutes later. I think it was Pastor, uh, Pastor Sharon, she called and he called me and he said, uh, he said, is your name Charles? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, I have been praying for you for, you for weeks. And I said, uh, he said, I would love to meet with you before I fly out this morning. Can I come to see you? And I said, um, I, I guess the word of the Lord quickened to me. He said, well, if I can get out of bed to go see a doctor, I can get out of the bed to go see the man of God. So I, uh, Lane drove me over to the Ots, and uh, it, was, it was so wonderful. He was a very humble man, and when I first shook his hand, the very first words he spoke out of his mouth was, Charles, God does not want you to feel guilty because he knew we would meet this morning. And so, <clears throat> so anyway, he said, um, Charles, I would like to anoint you with oil and pray over you. Are you open to that? I said, absolutely, sir. So we sat at the kitchen table, and he, he looked at Cheryl Ott, and he says, do you have any oil? you know, virgin oil. So she got some cooking oil and, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's a good word to keep that uh, virgin oil in your, your <laughs> cabinets <laughs> for such occasions. And, and uh, so he anointed with me, me with oil and he began to pray over, with, uh, pray, uh, pray over me and speak powerful words. And, uh, and he prayed for maybe 10 to 15 minutes. And he said, Charles, he said, um, he said, if I may excuse myself, he have, I have a flight to, uh, to catch, but I feel like I fulfilled what I was called, partially what I was called to do, coming back east to, to minister. Charlie, what, what was your diagnosis? Because this is 12 years removed at this point. What, what did God do through that? Well, you know, at, at that time, you know, when you go through a trial like that, you're, you're questioning, you know, all these things about your life, you know. Uh, why is it happening to me? Well, you know, what does this mean? What's the purpose of it? But let me share this with you. God has a purpose in everything that happens to us. Come on. And God has a plan for everything that happens to us and a plan to walk us through it. He was so faithful to me. And as a result of that, I, um, I'm here to be able to share my testimony. And, uh, but God has opened so many other doors for me since then, and I'm, I'm thankful for each and every one of them because I know that he has a plan not only for, for me but for the generations. And I know that I'm a part of those generations as God's preparing them, and my children, my grandchildren, your children that I, you've given me the blessed opportunity to share with on Sunday morning. So, so you got a completely clean bill of health. 12 years later, you're still here seeing your kids and grandkids serve in the house. 
And God spoke a word that you would pray and people would be healed as well, didn't he? That was part of the prophet's uh, words that were spoken over me, that I would uh, receive an anointing, that I would lay hands on the sick and they would be healed. Why, Why do you think God told you not to broadcast it? That's such an odd such an odd thing to hear. And, and I agree. And when I first heard that word, like I said, I was trying to discern its meaning. But I think that you and I as believers, that our foundations of our faith, the way we think, our thoughts, our minds, have to be on God's promises and not uh, the words that are a uh, result of fear, worry, doubt, or reasoning. But what does God say? Because God watches over his word and he's faithful to perform it. So whatever those promises are, he is going to fulfill them. That's awesome. I think the other testimony in all of that, right, is um, nobody knew to tell Jonathan. God had been dealing with him before he ever got here. That there was a name and there was someone that needed healing weeks before. And so all that does is solidify and undergird the testimony of what God did because God laid you on his heart and he had never met you, didn't know you, and you hadn't told anybody of your diagnosis really, except Ken and Carmen. And so nobody was even aware. And I mean, I remember all of us were like, man, maybe he missed that. Like he might've just heard another voice, but that might not have been God. And then all of a sudden you came up the next day and God, I mean, miraculously healed you because you by every account, should not be here today medically. According to the doctors. Yeah. But, but the Lord God trumped that, so praise God. <laughs> Come on, you can do a little better than that. Isn't God good? I mean, he's better than that, I think. Come on. Thank you, think he's good? Just give him some praise today. Charlie, I want to thank you for just being willing to share your testimony. And um, you're going to go to each campus with me, I know, and share this. But I think um, I just believed that that's a practical application of how the prophetic can work, how the Spirit of God in you knows the mind of God and how he can communicate that to you about your life and about those around you. And when Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit, he said, he will tell you what is to come. Like, that's a promise. We're not making that up. That's John 14 and 16. So, so in all of that, you know that if God's in you, then he can reveal things to you and he can help you. And again, I, I always give the parameters of this because people can get weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are. it's the best way I can say that love people but but the reality is is that you'll never hear a voice that contradicts his verse and that's so important because it gives you safety and guidelines for how the power of God flows every river has banks and if it doesn't it's destructive and so when you look at that God gives guidelines for how things should happen and in this case God did a miracle. And so I just believed today at the end of the service, um, we're just going to pray, you know, we're, uh, we're going to have our prayer team pray for healing. Amen. Uh, the Bible says that God still hears. I want to give you the context of the verse, like, because I believe that we should have Bible for everything we do. It's this, James 5, 13 through 16. They won't have it up here, but it says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. 
Is any among you sick? Let them call for the leaders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil, that good virgin olive oil, (laughs) in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. That's a promise. And, and um, so, so it doesn't always go how I think it should or how I think it would. I'm not God, just, just not selling anything that, 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 that isn't real. Um, but what I will say is God's intent and heart is to always heal. And there'll be things in life that take you by complete surprise. Um, but, but I know that God is still the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals He still restores, he still saves, and he cares about you more than you do. That's good news. Somebody say, yeah, amen. You can be seated, Charlie. Can we give Charlie a hand? That was amazing. If it's all right, I'm going to preach at you a little bit. Is that okay? Come on. I kind of want to just follow that up with what I believe God wants to do uh, in the room and in our church. And so um, thank you, Ellie. Can we give Ellie a hand? She's been working overtime up here. It's amazing. Our teams are so awesome. But I just felt like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stories like that over the years of God's faithfulness, his goodness. And um, a lot of you have been testimonies to that. But what I would say um, is sometimes we can, we can see clearest in times of difficulty. We don't like that, but a lot of times when we go through difficulty, it enables us to see clearly. You know, you think about Paul. He probably, the apostle Paul, he probably suffered more than anybody else, yet he's the one that writes and says, um, I know of a man who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows, but I, I, uh, and I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, only God knows, was caught up to paradise and he heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. When you think of John the Baptist, or John the Apostle, John is on the Isle of Patmos, he's exiled, and that's where he gets a revelation. He says, after this, I looked up, and there before me was a door in heaven standing open. Can I tell you that a lot of times, the things that catch you by surprise, the things that take your breath away in a not-so-good way, the things that can be devastating are often times where we see God the clearest. Isaiah, when the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. That, that, that there are times where things happen that we don't understand that God can use to bring about this amazing, amazing potential. And, and today, I have a bag of spinach. And... Um, I was meeting with somebody in our church this week and they have a favorite restaurant that they like to meet me at and they have a table at this restaurant. And so I met them there and we had a great conversation and we prayed and I ordered like this, uh, this spinach salad. And I don't really like spinach. So I don't know why I ordered that. I wanted to switch it out and I thought, man, I got the wrong thing here. I'm eating spinach. Like it's gross. But, and it, but, but I was eating, and it, as I was preparing for this message today, you know me, my mind just thinks a little weird. Um, but I thought of spinach, and you know, a lot of times, 
Um, if I can just, spinach is unique because um, common wisdom says, you know, that cooked vegetables have fewer nutrients than fresh ones. And that's true in a lot of ways, but not in every case. Um, some nutrients in fruits and vegetables are bound up in the cell walls of the vegetable, right? The nutrients in spinach is actually bound up in the cell wall of this, of this vegetable. And, and the, what protects it is an acid and if you eat it raw, you'll get nutrients, but if you cook it, you'll get more. The heat breaks down the acid. The acid prevents your body from absorbing calcium and iron. But when you cook it, it breaks down the acid and your body can absorb it all. Isn't that interesting? That the heat doesn't ruin the nutrients, but it does remove what inhibits you from receiving them. You didn't pick it up. Some of you didn't pick it up. You didn't pick it up. What I'm trying to tell you is a lot of times the things that bring a lot of heat in your life actually break down what is keeping you from getting closer to God closer to his presence, and closer to receiving all that he would have for you. You're still eating in church. You might be getting some things, but when you go through hard times, a lot of times it just beats the snot out of your flesh. It brings you to a point where you're more dependent instead of independent on God. Hello? Where you got to press in, you got to do some things, you got to go, God, if it ain't you, I don't know who it's going to be because it can't be me in this one. Are you with me? And so a lot of times we need to think about trial like spinach. Like Popeye, I'm strong to the finish because I eat my spinach. Does that date me? Is that my age now? Yeah, yeah, okay. All the young people are like, who's Popeye? But the reality is I think there's a lot of times where heat comes and God knows that it's going to break something down that will inhibit you from receiving what he has. It just will. And you can eat the same thing, still get nutrients. It won't be the same deal. You get more sometimes with heat. And that's why John, Isaiah, Paul, Daniel, go down the list of all of the prophetic people in the Bible. Every single one of them had revelations and saw God differently when they went through difficulty. And I don't wish that on you. I don't wish that on me. I, 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 want to, I want to bless me, Jesus, and to prosper me, Jesus, and all the things, Jesus. But the reality is, in this world, you'll have trouble. Don't be discouraged. He overcame the world. Are you with me? And so there's something to be said about that. And Charlie, obviously, got a different view of God. It's a view that you're not going to get on this side of health. And there's something about that that I think is so important. And instead of bailing and saying, God, why did this happen to me? Which I'm sure he might have asked, and God's big enough for your questions. There was something about just saying, hey, maybe I could press in. And God, here's what's cool about that, is that if you listen to Charlie, God had told this man about Charlie and his diagnosis before Charlie even received it. Char God had an answer for Charlie's pain before Charlie experienced it. And the Bible says that before the creation of the world, Jesus was prepared. Think about that for a minute. Before we sinned, God already had an answer for it. 
He called you even though he knew you. You know who your friends are? People that want to hang out with you even though they know you. Right? They're the people that are in it with you even though they know you and they know me, right? And, and here's what's cool. God had a plan when we didn't know that we needed one. And so if you, if you got your Bibles, I want to give you a little bit of background. We're not going to get to a lot of this today, but I want to at least expound upon it. Go to Ezekiel chapter 1. Ezekiel is kind of in the back middle. Um, it, for, for those of you who got a flip Bible, your analog, if you got you version, then you'll just hit the book of Ezekiel. But if you don't know where that is, Ezekiel is one of the prophets. And, and just so you know, your Bible isn't arranged chronologically. It's arranged by genre. So Ezekiel and Daniel are prophets, so they go together. Ezekiel and Daniel were both taken out of Jerusalem by the Babylonian Empire at the same time, about 600, 595 B.C., right before Christ. And so, so the reason that they were taken out of Babylon is not because they were wicked, but because the, the, the nation of Israel had turned against God and God was going to judge them, not so that he could just judge them, but through his judgment, bring them back to him. Does that make sense? God works all things together. Come on, church. I need you to, 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 to hit me back here. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Are you with me? So even in difficulty, even in trial, even in hard times, good fathers discipline their kids. It's just a reality. Good, you know, the Bible says that's how you know you're a child of God is you're disciplined by him. I don't know about you. I don't go around smacking other people's kids. But mine, I've put through some things. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because they're mine. And God put, called me to steward over them and to discipline them and all the things. Why? Because I love them. Are you with me? So even in all of this, I want you to see in Ezekiel's context, God's doing all of this because he loves him. Now, interesting, Ezekiel, nobody's been named Ezekiel in all of Israel until Ezekiel. It's a unique name. It's the first time you see it. There's only one other person named that after Ezekiel. And it means, may God strengthen this child. Ezekiel's dad was a priest. Ezekiel comes from a noble family. He knew the law. But Babylon is about to destroy all that he loves. Babylon is coming in. They've conquered Assyria. They've conquered Egypt. And now they're going to conquer God's people. They're going to march into Jerusalem, raise the city, go into God's temple, steal everything that was valuable, take it to a demonic fortress and take all of the nobility out of that city and make them serve a pagan God. And Ezekiel is one of the first ones to go, he and Daniel. And, and all these other prophets were saying, hey, this is gonna be short-lived, but they weren't real prophets. Sometimes you're gonna go through some things. It's just the reality. Ezekiel says, no, this is not going to be short-lived. We're going to be here for a while. Guess what? Everybody hated Ezekiel. <laughs> but, but Ezekiel knows that true prophets speak the word of God, not what everybody wants to hear all the time. Are you with me? And I don't know about you, but when you read the Bible, you have to let the Bible read you. A lot of us read the Bible, but we don't always let the Bible read us. And what that means is God has said some things that have offended me. 
I've read some things that bother me. I've read some things that challenge me. I've read some things that have kicked my hind parts. I'm saying that that way in a weird way because my mom's on the front row. I would just say but, but you know, I get judged for that. But, but my point is, you're going to read some things and then you let the Bible read you and it's going to reveal some things in you that God says, if I don't put my finger on that, it's going to hurt you. I got to put my finger on that. And you go, oh, I want to hide that. I don't want that. And, and you might think God's mad, bad, or sad at you, but he's not. He's just loving you. He's just loving you. And, and he'll be faithful to keep knocking on that door whether you let him or not. He's going to keep knocking on the door. So, so Ezekiel and all of these people are marched through a gate in Babylon called the Ishtar Gate. It's named after a demon. They've actually uncovered it. They found it. It's in a museum. They excavated the foundations of it. And on this gate had, had different demonic gods that Babylon worshipped. Let's just see this. So Ezekiel's going, but our God is the one true God. How are we defeated how did they ransack the temple? How did they destroy the temple? How did they take all the articles that, that we use to worship God and bring them here? And, and what, what, what Nebuchadnezzar is doing is he's saying, everybody is subservient to my God, Marduk. Everybody. Your God, Yahweh, Israel, is not a God because we defeated him. So as I march you through this gate in a procession to show the whole of Babylon, which was the greatest empire in the world at the time, one of the eighth wonders of the world was in his palace, the Hanging Gardens. He's really saying, Israel's God has no place here, and he is subservient to me and my gods. I want you to see this. Look at the pride in that. And, and, and here's what I think is fascinating. This is the moment that God decides to speak to Ezekiel. This is the moment God doesn't show up in the temple. God doesn't show up in Israel. God shows up in Babylon. Hear me. God starts speaking to Ezekiel and giving him revelation in Babylon. And nobody thought that would be the case. They all thought our God has been conquered. How could that be? And only God speaks from Israel. He only speaks from Jerusalem. And God is saying, I'm the God of the whole world. I can speak from anywhere that I want to. Are you hearing me today? It doesn't matter how, Babylon was one of the most depraved cultures on the planet. Solomon, in the 10th century BC, said there's nothing new under the sun. Look at everything in our culture and in our world. Nothing is new. Babylon probably pioneered it. Even what Hollywood makes movies called Babylon. Babylon is the height of debauchery, of sin, of idolatry, of all that is evil. And Israel's going, how could this be? Could I tell you what I've seen a lot of is a bunch of Christians who've gotten scared of culture. They thought, well, gosh, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. It always has. 
That is not shocking. It is not new. Everything that you're seeing that politics wants to put a label on, none of it's new. We are not original. Sin's been around a hot minute. God spoke then. He'll speak now. He was on the throne then. He's still on the throne now. And God's people should stop worrying about what's happening and start listening to what he's saying. Because if he had a word for that generation, he's got a word for yours. And sometimes, hello, heat helps you get more nutrients. Sometimes what you find is what we found. Is that when the world was shutting down and going through hell, God was prospering the church. He was prospering the church. Isn't that fascinating? If you would have told me all that, I would have, on the front end, I would have said, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way that God could do that. There's no way that in, in, a, in a time when the economy shut down and COVID happened, all these things, all this unrest, that, that, that more people would come to our church than ever had before, that our giving would have been higher than it ever was before, that people would get saved in a field. I did weddings and funerals in a field. Think about that. That God could prosper, why? Well, because God didn't ask Congress for permission to extend his kingdom, he just did it. Are you with me? God, God didn't say, um, hey, I, I better check with the president to see if I can have church today. That's not political. That's kingdom. Did you know when you get to heaven, you won't sit in the American section? There's only one banner. His banner over me is love. That's Jehovah Nisi. It's just Jesus. And I got through nothing today. Other, If you heard nothing but what Charlie said, that was enough. But Ezekiel sees God high and lifted up on a throne in heaven. And a voice comes down. And that's important for you to know. Because he's above it all. And there's not one thing that you're going to go through that he's not above. There's not one sickness. There's not one disease. There's not one tragedy. There's not one difficulty. God is in it and he cares about every bit of it. I don't want to minimize it. But it didn't take him by surprise. He's going to work it for your good. And in the end of the day, here's it. If you read the end of the book, we win. I'm a spoiler alert, spoiler alert. We win. And if you don't love people and stop seeing them by a label, by a category, by who's against you, the Bible says you've never had an enemy with a person. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers, and wickedness in high places. You're not fighting a person, you're fighting a spirit. And, and just to, to, to be clear, you won. 
but how you bring people to Christ will mean more to Jesus than anything else. Not if you're right. Not if you're right. But if you love and acknowledge that he's on the throne, that he's always been in control, that no weapon formed against you may prosper. It might be formed, but it won't prosper. Hello. And that he works all things together. God shows up in the backwater town along the Kabar River of the most debaucherous hedonistic society that the world had ever seen. And Ezekiel gets revelation of who he is and what he's going to do. Because he's always been above it all and he's always been in control of it all. And as we go through the next month, we're going to discover exactly what he saw and why it has significance for you on your Monday. Why you can take that lesson and apply it tomorrow. But if you apply nothing else, apply this. He's in control and he loves you. And he's for you. Now I want to do something. I want you to bow your heads real quick for a moment and I'm just going to pray. I want our prayer team to come. If you would please. And I just, I'm going to say this. There's healing in this house. There's no name higher than Jesus. And I believe the Bible says, call for the elders of the church, which I just did. Anoint with oil, which we have. It's just a sign of the Holy Spirit. It's a sign of the presence of God. Pray over the sick and they'll recover. And if you're sick here today in your body, you need to see one of these people. And I'm just believing for your healing. But I want to give you an assurance. He's in control. And there might be a couple of people, maybe a few, usually it's several, it's a lot, who don't know Jesus here today. And I just want to tell you, he's the answer to the pain and the difficulty and the fear and the division in our world. He's always been the answer, and he's your answer. He's the answer for sin, and we all have that, and it's what separates us from him. Not because he wants to punish anybody, but because he's holy, and it's a, it's a byproduct of who he is. He can't be a part of sin. But he gave an antidote, and that's Jesus. Made before the crea- he, was, he was prepared before the creation of the world. He was already there, already knowing what he was going to do. He was going to save us from sin, give us abundant and eternal life. And if you're here today under the sound of my voice, I want to invite you to say a prayer. It will start a relationship with God. And from there, after we pray, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and acknowledge that. So I want our whole church, come on, let's help somebody meet Jesus today. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. I turn to you and I give you my life. I'm all in, Jesus. I make you my Lord and Savior today. I thank you for paying a price I couldn't when you went to the cross. When you rose again, you conquered death and hell. And I put my faith and trust in you. As I receive abundant and eternal life, thank you for saving me and giving me a new start.
in Jesus' name. You said that prayer, you meant it. Raise your hand right now. Let me celebrate with you. It's a good day. The Bible says all heaven rejoices.